0: God bless you all. It's great to have our visitors with us today. I'm so thankful for all of you that are here. I know that the Lord has a plan for us. Believe He's working in each life. Amen. Amen. You know, the Lord gave me a a kind of, I wouldn't say funny because it's so serious, but He gave me a thought in the prayer room about us uh men us fathers husbands leaders of our homes it wouldn't it would be kind of silly if if i just came to a church gathering like this with certain expectations of my children or of my family and said when we go to church we act like this and if and if they don't act like that it would be silly of me to get upset that they weren't acting like that if we didn't act like that every other place and every other time. Does that make sense? I wouldn't I wouldn't expect my children, hey, we are going to church, so you better act like you're going to church when we don't live like church the rest of the week. Now we say that to children. We sit up straight, look people in the eye, be respectful and and all of that you know, and act like you have a brain and (laughs) act like all that, you know, like you know what you're doing. Um, And then, uh, you know, if that was the case, and then we we just said, okay, now we're home, so just do whatever you want, be however you want, say whatever you want, talk to your siblings however you want to. But don't do that when we go to church. That's that's not a uh, a great example, is it? And I, thought the, the, I think the Lord was kind of speaking the same thing to me. He's saying, uh, us, especially men as leaders of our homes, it, we can't just have this image in our mind of, well, this is what I want my family to be at church, and then not even work towards that the rest of the week. I, w- I want my children to be respectful when we go to church. I do. So am I teaching them respect? Six other days out of the week. Am I exampling respect the rest of the week? I wouldn't want my wife, when we get to church, act like you have a strong leader at church. Let everybody know how good of a family we are when the other six days of the week it's not anywhere close to that. I'm just saying this is what the Lord was telling me. Before service. I I want him to have his way in my me and my family and our lives all the time. Twenty four seven. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna ask Brother Hart if he would come at this time, share what the Lord has given him for us.
1: Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all today. This is it still morning, barely? You know, sometimes, at least for me, there's those services that uh, they just feel a little bit different <laughs> coming to them, and I've often thought about that, and you know, knowing that the Lord is the same, He's the same yesterday and today and forever, but I believe that there's, sometimes there's certain occasions or dates on the calendar that He has predetermined and he has an idea of knowing, okay, this person, this person, this person is going to be in this one place. And so I have a specific and special plan for that place, that time, that that day that uh, doesn't necessarily occur every single week, even if he's the same God. And so the the timing and the positioning of of us is also very important. And maybe it's just me, maybe it's just for me, but I feel like today is one of those days. Um, And yeah, (laughs) whatever that means, whatever that looks like. But I would just encourage you to, and I promise you it's not because I am up here saying anything, but I would just encourage you to have an expectation in yourself today. Um, I believe I've already felt ministered to this morning. I believe God's already here moving, and so I think He's going to continue. I um, I have a lot of notes, like four pages. <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to use <laughs> even probably a quarter of those. But um, it's funny because on the rare occasions that I do have notes it seems like it's always those times where it's a service like like this right where the lord's like you know maybe that's all for you or for the future (laughs) but i'm kind of steering this direction and then all you have is one verse (laughs) so uh agree with brother vance that's good enough so let's uh let's move forward with, at least we have a start, amen, Luke chapter 15, and I might just read this one passage and, and sit down, and uh, like God and whoever else take the mic, do the rest, but uh, we'll see. So Luke chapter fifteen, and before we read, can we just we just pray for a moment? I know that God's already moving, and I know there is already an expectation here today. But um, with that expectation, with that feeling, I and myself feel just feel a burden and and even a greater responsibility uh, today. It's 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 a huge responsibility standing before you at any time. Um, so I don't want to say anything in my flesh or anything of my own opinion. So we can, can we just pray for a moment, pray that God would have his way. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for this day. We thank you for knowing each person that would be here in this moment on this day, this Sunday and in November. Jesus, I believe that there's none that are here that you haven't drawn. There's none that are here, Father, that you didn't compel to be here that you didn't make a way for to to be here on this day I pray your will father would be done in the name of jesus in the name of jesus luke chapter 15 and this verse came to my mind with that last song that uh brother flowers and sister loren were singing I don't know about you, but when I read scripture and, and especially hear certain songs, I can't help but have a mental image and and picture of what's being sang about and what's being talked about. And especially that line that says, um, it's, it's running after me. <laughs> right? Just imagine, and there's an old uh, Phillips, Craig and Dean song. Brother Flowers probably knows it as well. I think it's called When God Ran. And uh, it's this perspective of, of an individual who's a sinner and the day that they saw God ran or run to them. And it's taken from this passage here in Luke chapter 15, a f- familiar story about, uh, we often title it, The Prodigal Son. And so I just, I just want to read this. This story real quickly today. Luke 15 and 11, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. I don't know what got into the son that made him decide now was the time, um, but typically that that portion would have been given to him when his father passed away and uh so I don't know if I I can't imagine the feeling of the father in that moment still living still very healthy and the son saying essentially you know I kind of don't really want anything else to do with you I'm ready to move on with my life apart from you so give me what you have that's yours that that's for me give me that and uh so I can go off and do my own thing. He, so so the father, it seems like without hesitation, said, all right, that's your will, that's your desire. Here you go. Divided it to them. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country. He didn't just go to the next town over. But whatever it was that got into him, wh- whether it was I don't know, I, won't, I don't want to assume, but you know whether he did something that he knew the father wasn't happy with or pleased with, he, he just went as far away as he could to a far country, took his journey, and, and there he wasted his substance with riotous living. And I think that that could probably describe many of us today at one point in our life. Or another, right? Wasting some of our substance or all of our substance with riotous living. Man, the word of God's a, the word of God's a mirror, right? And so I, I never want to not see myself even in the, the negative places in Scripture. So when he had spent all there arose a mighty famine, just to make matters worse, So he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. So he's at the lowest of low at this point. He would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, so again, another moment in time here, something transpired, something happened in his mind and in his spirit that caused a, a change in his thinking. There was a, I, I just imagine there being a fogginess of, due to his riotous living, due to his youthful, uh, just his adolescence. And there came a point where maybe because of just the circumstances, that fog cleared up a little bit. And he came to himself. He came to his senses and realized, man, I'm a fool. (laughs) What am I doing? I'm literally in a pig pen feeding these pigs with nothing to eat except the same food that the pigs are eating. And you're probably used to this by now. I I see a lot of stuff. uh, I, I try to see a lot of things in Scripture as applicable into today but also in the Spirit or spiritual application, and and I think that's what Jesus intended with the story. It's a parable, and so we see this every day, right? Individuals who, who are doing their own thing, thinking that they have it all together, and so many of them haven't yet come to themselves and come to their senses to realize, really, they're just living in a pig pen. <laughs> really, they're just... Uh, the food that they're eating, anything that they're taking in is just garbage. <laughs> it's not going to benefit their life. It's not going to give them eternal life. It's just going to keep them in that muck and the mire of, of emptiness that they're in. And so much of the world, as, as has happened for I'm sure most of us here today, so much of the world hasn't yet had that moment of, coming to themselves and i believe that that's where we come in in a lot of a lot of ways but maybe there's some of us here today who are still needing that moment transformation so i'm going to read a few more verses here he uh, verse 17 he came to himself when he came to himself he said how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare and i perish with hunger I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He rose, came to his father, and watch this, when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And this this picture here of the father, it's I've always pictured it um, of his house and his homestead being up on a hill a little bit and being able to see the sun coming from a great ways off. And but what it also tells me, I believe what's also implied is that the father was looking for the sun and he was looking with an expectation for the sun to return. He, he he still had a hope. He still had a belief. And also there, no matter w- what the son had done, no matter what had transpired in the son's life, even though the son, w- once he came to himself, decided, you know what, I'm going to go and just try to be one of his servants because even they have have it better off than the sons. Even though he came to that conclusion, there was nothing that he could do that could disqualify him as a son. Once he was his father's son he was he's always going to be his father's son but the determining factor in whether he was going to partake of the benefits of his father and his father's house was if he would choose to obviously return because the place he was in was just draining him was just sucking the life out of him um, I want to, and there's more there we could read, of course, you, if, if you know the story, the once the father does that, he he gets his best robe, puts it on him, gives him his ring, and all these things, ret- restores an authority to the son, kills the fatted calf, has a big party, and uh, rejoices, and I believe the same thing happens in heaven, right? It says the angels rejoice when one sinner repents, and so I think that's, A similar picture there. Um, One other passage, and like I said, I have a lot of notes, and I feel like this sort of connects it here, but I'm just going to use this one scripture, Matthew chapter 6. And while you're turning there, can't help but read Isaiah chapter 9 and 6 you just listen along so Isaiah 9 6 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given the government shall be upon his shoulder so the government the rule the dominion should be upon his shoulder and his name should be called wonderful counselor the mighty God the everlasting father so what that means is just the same that we never stop being a son he never stops being a father The everlasting father, the prince of peace, of the increase of his government, again, his rule, his dominion, of his, the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment, with justice from henceforth, even forevermore, Amen. So that his, his government, the increase of it, there will be no end of his rule, his dominion. Of his kingdom, also his dominion, his reign. Uh, so Matthew chapter six, and we could read the whole chapter here, but I won't for sake of time go back and read it later. but Jesus is talking about um, things that things that they the people need. Um, If you look in verse 8, he says, Your Father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. And we went through these scriptures uh, a week or two ago with uh, Elder Flowers on a a Tuesday night about our approach to prayer and a pattern of prayer talking to our Father, right? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And I was looking into this and, and realizing that his kingdom, to, thy kingdom come, I, I believe it ties there with Isaiah chapter 9, that the increase of his government and his kingdom, there will be no end. And so his kingdom coming is, it's not just a one-time event where it comes and it's here and it's, it's done. But as the kingdom, since the days that Jesus walked the earth and his spirit was poured out, his kingdom has continually been coming. It's been progressively increasing. It's been progressively being added unto. And he's been progressively restoring and drawing sons, drawing daughters back into the kingdom to be part of his kingdom, to be part of his, his rule, his dominion, his authority. Um, and Elder Flowers made a statement with that verse because it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And I believe, I believe the way you said it is, if his kingdom comes, his will is going to be done. Amen. And I believe the reverse is also true, that if his will is done, his kingdom is going to come. And so, I don't know about you, but I want to I do the will of my father because I want to see his kingdom come. I want to be established in his kingdom because I know the other op- options, the other alternatives are the pig pen, <laughs> their emptiness, their brokenness, their hunger. Um, I won't read the rest of this chapter, but he, he talks about uh, your treasures being in heaven. Verse 19, there's so much, I mean, we could spend weeks, I'm sure, just in this chapter, um, Especially Brother Flowers, he could probably spend weeks in one verse. (laughs) And that's a compliment. (laughs) Uh, But look, I want to just fast forward to the end of the chapter. So he's talking about, again, he kind of, he opens, it's kind of bookends of this chapter. He talks about don't take thought for what you're going to need or what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Your father already knows it. Then he talks about that pattern of prayer. And then he closes out the chapter it seems like it's repetitive, and he's talking about the value that we have because God he he closed the he closed the grass of the field and um, and he knows where the sparrow is. He has value in the sparrow, and but we're how much more value are we? And uh, just laying out the value that we have. And so, verse thirty-two, well, first verse thirty-one. Take no thought. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or whither, wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. So those that are not of God yet, they, they seek those things, the natural things, the provisions that could easily just cause them to be anxious and worry. After those things the Gentiles seek, For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. And watch this. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. And I've been, like I said, I have four pages of, of notes, and that's those pages were not notes necessarily to preach. It's just I've been, I've been trying to study the kingdom of God, and it started in, it started with this verse and the question of, what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? <laughs> because I've heard that verse all my life. Uh, this is one of the most familiar chapters, probably in Scripture to me because it's in Matthew, so we always start in Matthew and <laughs> read Matthew probably more than any other gospel, at least it happens to me. And uh, But I had this question of, okay, Lord, if that's a command, if that's something that you want us to do, something you want us to obey, then what does it mean? Uh, the kingdom of God, it's not really just something that's tangible. It's not It's not like a location that we go to and Um, as Bishop talked about Tuesday, there, there will be an earthly kingdom that's set up at some point. Um, that's, that's similar to the kingdoms of this world where Jesus will literally sit on a throne. And that's what the disciples, that's what the apostles kind of fell into thinking when he was with them on the world. Uh, they said, okay, Lord, like, when are you going to set up your throne? When are you going to overthrow this, this Roman empire that's, that's oppressing us and, we're ready for what you talked about in Isaiah 9 to happen. We want the increase of your government and of your kingdom. You, you sitting on the throne of David, we want that to happen now because that would make things a whole lot easier. And, and it, there's so many other scriptures we could go over, but I'm going to try to summarize what I believe seeking first the kingdom of God is. It's like we saw in the beginning of this chapter, thy kingdom come, thy will be done and you could look throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then even into the epistles, there's whole chapters that talk about the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is like unto. And I started to notice this pattern of what the kingdom of God was like unto, or, or in one place he, he, where he tells the parable of a man sowing seed, and it falling on different types of ground. And then the disciples come in and asking him, Jesus, what does that mean? Because we know it's, you're not just talking about farming. There's a little bit more to that story, but we didn't quite get it. And Jesus responds to them and tells them. I think I had it written down here. He tells them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And unto all them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand. And he goes on, and then he explains to them the meaning of the parable and the fact that the seed that is sown by the, by the sower is the word of God. And, and so again, like I said, there's this pattern throughout the Gospels of the kingdom, and it it's, seems like it's always related to seed and to multiplication and to increase, just like it said in Isaiah, there would be an increase of his government. And I don't think that that just means him, because the kingdom of God, it's not, it's not just a land. It's not just an area. Um, Israel, and this is, I don't want to get lost in the, in the weeds, but this is a, uh, a theology that um, is wrong. It's called replacement theology and that is that the church with the new covenant has replaced Israel in, in our place in the kingdom of God. Um, but there's, there's separate, uh, essentially there's separate plans of God for Israel and for the church. Uh, there's, there's one way to get to heaven. It's not a separate plan of salvation, but at one point, God's attention is going to turn to Israel, and um, we could talk about the abrahamic covenant and all these things that god promised to abraham and how he's going to increase his people he's going to increase his seed and where that continues the multiplication Uh, but but at one point god's attention turned to us we were and i think bishop even mentioned this last week too we were the wild olive branch that was grafted into this tree that was the original and because they didn't accept Jesus, they they saw Jesus as a stumbling block. The Lord grafted in the Gentiles, and and now we are His people, and we're going to be taken away at the times of the Gentiles. Once that time closes, and then His attention is going to turn back to to Israel. But for the for the church, for us, our our role, our responsibility, I believe in seeking first the kingdom of God is seeking first his increase and and it starts of course in our own lives it starts with and I, I i was thinking about abraham and how this all connects and it would take too long to try to explain but with abraham when the lord it, the bible says abraham believed god and it was accounted to him for righteousness and so i was thinking about that and why okay lord why was it accounted to him for righteousness And I believe it's because he obeyed God. The Lord told him in Genesis chapter 12, leave, leave the land, go to a place, a new land I'm going to show you. And then the Lord begins to make the promises to him, which we know as the Abrahamic covenant. And as he goes out, um, he has to leave his family. He leaves his kindred, his home, the Ur of the Chaldees, where he was from. And and studying history, and we see that that was a place of great idolatry. And even looking at uh, other history, we realized that his own family probably was even idol makers. And so Abraham was very familiar with all of the gods of that day, of, of the land of Ur, and, and just a very idolatrous place. And so when God came and called him, and it was counted to him for righteousness— It was more than just leaving the place that he was and going to another one. But it was also about leaving behind something and some things that he originally knew. Uh, Some things that he originally, it was originally his his way of life. The way that he profited in life was through making of idols, through selling these idols. And the Lord calls him out and because he believes God and obeys that command to go to a land that he doesn't even know yet. Go somewhere he hasn't even seen yet. Uh, And then I I couldn't help but think of Hebrews chapter 11 that without faith it's impossible to please God. And we have to, if we believe in him, we first have to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so we, we seek him personally by leaving off, leaving behind some ways of our old life, some idolatry, and moving forward into his righteousness, which starts with relationship with him. And, but then it becomes so much bigger and so much broader than just ourselves. When we're seeking the kingdom of God, it's, it's so much bigger than just us. Yeah. Because like with Abraham, us today as children of God filled with the Holy Ghost, we still today are part of children of Abraham. This man who was alive like four or five thousand years ago, we're still part of the promise of God to him all the way back in Genesis. It's still being fulfilled. It's still unfolding. And and so I believe that the continued fulfillment of that, the continued seeking first of the kingdom of God is in our role and our responsibility is once we have it for ourselves, then it's a matter of sowing the seed out to others uh in that scripture that i referenced in i think it's mark chapter six where it tells the parable jesus tells the parable of the sower sowing seed on the different types of ground the um, and then of, of course he, he gives the spiritual application that the the seed is the word of god and the types of ground is people's hearts and even the things that choke out the seed is is cares of life and situations in their life and Maybe it was a pig pen, and and just the thing that led them to the pig pen choked out the word of God. But I've, I noticed that I've been in church my whole life, right? And so I've seen a lot of people who have been in church a long time as well, but it seems like that they... I'm going to be careful and think how I want to say this. <laughs> a lot of times I have to think... Are, is everyone receiving the same seed that I'm receiving? <laughs> right, the same. This is all the same seed, right? What comes across the pulpit is to each ear is is the same seed. But I believe this this is also why there's such an emphasis in Revelation and throughout Scripture of He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. Because we can be here and not have an ear to hear what He's saying and the seed not take root, or the cares of life choke it out. Um, but once we once we get it for ourselves, right, I, t- I talked a couple weeks ago about David and, and the intimidation and all the reasons that him listening to the voice of the enemy could have disqualified him from doing what would seem to be his intended purpose in life, that kind of catapulted him and launched him into his his ministry or his calling. And I think the same is true when it comes to sowing seed. We can have the exact same type of disqualifiers in our mind and in doing so we we can get so selfish sometimes and thinking, "Man, I got to just focus on me because I haven't sought the kingdom enough yet for me." But I believe they I believe that there's such a, and Bishop talks about this a lot when, when it comes to teaching Bible studies, teaching the word of God. Man, when you teach this word, when you teach scripture, it gets in you in a way that it can't just by hearing it. It's like when you teach it, it's like it's pushing it deeper and deeper into the soil and causing those roots to go out. And I believe part of that reason is because now the seed is not only in our heart, but it's... it's connected through vines through branches through the roots and we're invested in it now now we we, now we see the bigger picture of the kingdom of God because it's not only about us but it's about all the hearts that I can just cast it on I can just throw it on and um, I'll I'll finish with this I uh, I was thinking about a couple stories and and I won't turn there read them all for the sake of time but when Jesus is teaching the crowds of one time there's 5,000 men and then it says and women and children and then a second time just like a chapter later there's 4,000 and and including women and children or not including women and children so it could be like 10,000 people and he teaches them for a whole day he's just there just teaching and teaching and they're out in the wilderness and and then he finishes and the disciples are like okay Jesus like Let's get these people out of here. It's getting late. They're, pretty soon they're going to get hungry and start asking us for food. And Jesus, of course, in his, I mean, in his perfection, in his, his love, his compassion, he says, we can't just send them away. It's too far of a journey. So he says, what do we have? What do you, what do you guys have that you can give what do you have that you can offer? Don't, don't, don't try to qualify it and say, well, but it's, it's only three loaves or five loaves or however many loaves it was. Don't try to qualify it and say, well, that's not enough to, to feed all these people. Just show me what you have. Just tell me what you're willing to give. And they, so they did. They, they brought it. And in the one reference of the story, I think it's in John where it talks about that there was a young boy there who it was him that had the the bread and, and the fish and so again I would say to to the young people whatever you have is enough when it comes to sowing seed into the kingdom and, and increasing and advancing the kingdom of God because when you bring that small loaf that might look like just crumbs to you when you bring that and then you're willing to plant it you're willing to throw it and cast it god multiplies it in the hearts of the hearers and when there's a hearer that has faith and receives it into their heart then it's just going to continue to increase the government and and his government of peace and his kingdom is just going to continue to increase as it's planted as it's sown into individuals hearts and so i believe and this is all me <laughs> trying to explain what I believe seeking first the kingdom of God is. Because yes, I, I believe that we should first and foremost focus on and have a relationship with God. The Bible says, you know, what if we gain the whole world but lose our soul or lose our family's soul? So we need to have that relationship with God for ourselves. But when, then when we get a revelation of the kingdom of God, which I, I'm still trying to get, more fully it it becomes less about us and and i'll finish with this i've i've been hearing i've been talking with a few different people who are teaching bible studies and it's amazing some of these people i've i've seen them since the day that they came into the church and one individual they um they were won by a friend in high school and for years, you know, we prayed for this person, talked to them, and and for years it was kind of like, oh, there's all these things, there's these cares of life, right? The things that would be in our heart that would choke out the word of God, and we would look and say, man, the seed, the word has so much potential, but something there is is not giving, something's not taking root. And this same individual, just last night actually, I was talking to them at the giving, and they said, yeah, by the way, I'm teaching a Bible study at my job. They work at an assisted living type of facility, and and uh, I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. And and they're like, yeah, there's like 15 people every single week that come in to this Bible study. And they were saying, and it's it's causing me to dig deeper into the Word of God for myself. And I'm teaching them about the Holy Ghost. I'm teaching them about baptism and and man, it's so real to me now as I teach it. And what's amazing is before I knew about that, the same individual I've observed and realized, man, they're, right now they're in such a good place. Some, there's some depth that's come to them, and I can't explain what it is. And then they told me that last night, and I was like, oh, I think that explains what it is. The seed that's been in them all along, yes, it's going to do good in them alone, but now they've had faith to spread it. Now there's a faith to spread it that also causes it to go deeper in them. And, man, the, the way that they're so much more rooted, so much more grounded, and the kingdom of God is being increased because of it. Amen. So that's my <laughs> attempt of what Seeking First the kingdom of God is. Amen. Elder. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: I've seen some parallels in the scripture here. I believe the Lord would help us understand. I have this question for you. I felt like the Lord had asked me this: How do you prepare for a famine? I'm taking you back to Luke 15. If we can just read these verses again, real quick. Luke 15:13. How do you prepare for a famine? I've never seen this before in all the times I've looked at the story of the prodigal son. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country there, he wasted his substance and riotous living. Next verse. And when he spent all there arose a mighty famine. Did anybody realize that? He didn't just run out of money. He didn't just spend everything and then say, well, I'm, I'm out, so I'll go and what do I do next? Uh-uh. After he spent everything, I guess I'll go get a job. Nope, nobody's hiring right now. I guess I'll just go do some manual labor. Nobody's building anything right now. I guess I'll just go door to door. Nope, it's quarantine. I'd never noticed that. Who, and so It makes me ask the question, who controls the famine? And why would he wait until that time to send the famine? Yes, I'm just letting you, young man, I'm just letting you waste all that you have. Spend it all. Waste it all. You don't even care where because you think you've got an endless supply. So, just waste and spend and waste and spend. And you know what? I'm just waiting till you get to the point where you know that supply wasn't endless. Let me go back and get some more. And all of a sudden, there is no more. There arose a mighty famine in the land. So, the, I felt the Lord ask me this question How do you prepare for a famine? And by the way, the answer is not store up. We've, we've heard enough lately about that. Remember the story about the man that says, I'll build bigger barns. I'll store up more stuff. So the answer is not just gather and prepare and build and prepare in case sometime a day goes bad. I'm not, I don't want to get into this because it's not the point of, of what I'm trying to say, but my wife, I, I told her there was a, there was a man, very well-known, radio shows, TV shows, talk shows and everything, and I, I'd listen to him every now and then, we'd, we'd share something and l- get the point of what he's saying, and then I started to realize this man makes his living off of asking the question, what if? What if? Are you prepared if? Do you know what's going to happen if? If, if. And then he's, oh, we'll be right back right after these messages. Do you have your supplies ready? If. By today this package. It's going to get you through if. Oh, welcome back, everybody. How are we doing today? I didn't buy it. Hang on. What was that number again? I got to listen to the next commercial break. Because if, oh, I'm just telling you, that's not how you prepare for a famine. And then I felt the Lord actually tell me this there are no natural disasters. Yeah, there's a flood. Who controls the rain? Yeah, there's an earthquake. Who controls the ground? There's no natural disasters. The, my Father, that created the heaven and the earth, decides when and where it's going to rain and how much. That's my God. So, how am I going to call a flood a natural disaster? Oh, it was way out in the middle of the ocean underground where there's nobody around. So? Is he not there? Is that not part of his property? Tsunami. It came from an earthquake out in the middle of the ocean. So we have nobody to blame it on. We just call it a natural disaster. There, is, there is no such thing as just a coincidence that something bad happened. Natural disaster. So let me try, try to answer this question: How you prepare for a famine? What if you could know the man that was tell, that could tell you there was about to be a famine? The, uh, the first thing I would have to say is to prepare for a famine, be ready to die. I mean, that's going to solve a lot of questions right there. Prepare to be gone, and you won't have to worry about anything. Not determined to live through it. No. I don't know how long... That's the man that said, I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to determined to live through and have all the supply I'm ever going to need in this lifetime. All right, your lifetime's up now. Way to go. You made it to this day. I never thought this either. When the Lord, the same Lord that could say, take no thought for tomorrow what you're going to eat or drink, could then turn to his disciples and say, what food do you have? Don't worry about any food, just, nah. don't, we'll, ta- we'll, we'll take care of that when it's time. Hey, what do you have in your lunchbox? Nothing, you told me not to put anything in here. Good, I'm just checking. Because if you thought you had enough for you, you might decide this is lunchtime, disappear under a tree somewhere and miss a miracle. How do you prepare for something like this? You get to know the man that can tell you what you need and when you need it. How much? He did. There are times. Think about Joseph. He told Joseph, seven years of famine. Don't plan for eight. Don't plan for ten. Don't double it, fourteen. Plan for seven because that's how many there's going to be. You can get to know the one that controls all of this. And he will tell you what you need to hear, what you need to pack, what you need to buy, what you need to sell. If we're listening, why don't we stand? It's it's easy to approach the Lord and say I spent everything that I had. I wasted it all. I'm just good for nothing. Have have mercy and have pity on me and let me be a servant. But today the Lord is sharing with us. Sometimes it says He showed them the way more clearly or showed them the way more perfectly. I believe that today the Lord is showing you and I. You don't have to fear a natural disaster. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen if. No, put your hand in the hand of the Master. Let Him lead you. Let Him lead you and show you the way. I'm going to ask us to pray. If you want to come to the front, the altar's open. But I believe the Lord is here to help us and to minister to us. God, You know every need. You know every situation. God, You know each one of us here, all the details of our life. God, where we've spent, where we shouldn't have. Lord, where we're storing up, where we shouldn't be. God, I pray that you forgive me for any time I've put my faith in another and not in you. God, I pray that you would forgive me, Lord, for any time I've not trusted you, but I've sought to make a way on my own. God, I'm acknowledging you right now. You are the master. You control the wind, Lord. You control the waves, Lord. You control every storm, Lord Jesus. You know all of it, Lord God. You know all of it. I put my hand in Yours today, Father. I ask that You would lead me today, Lord Jesus. You're the one that brings peace, oh God. You're the one that brings understanding, the one that brings healing and wholeness. God, all that I need, I find it in You. All that I need, I find it in you. Come on, let's talk to the Lord. Let the Lord minister to you. Let the Lord share with you.
2: decide, my wife and I, to stay in town this weekend, be here in Union Gap, come to a service. I don't come with the idea that, uh, you know, Lord, you want to give me something that might call on me. I come blank, blank, open book, nothing, nothing, empty, nothing. And just before Brother Hart was called on the Lord began to talk to me about Luke chapter 15 the exact setting that he went to and read right there now he went a long way from that I, I never moved I stayed right there because I feel from the Lord a very distinct situation. Give me, give me three minutes. Years ago, I used to bar hop in my 20s. First in New Jersey, then in Washington a little bit. And there were nightclubs that I went to that, if you weren't careful, you could trip very easily because the lights were down really low. The house lights. Now, there was a light show sometimes associated with the music and things that were going on there. Do you know the Bible says that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil? Now, there are people, there are sons that are leaving the Father's house. They're following the smoke and the mirrors. They're, they're, you know, in a disc, they used to call it a discotheque. And they would put a a ball up in the middle of the ceiling and it would spin and they would shine one light on it. And it was made of glass pieces and so the room would, you know, begin to spin with all this lights and and then there was the smoke. Platform, And there was the changing of the lights and all of that. You know what they call that today now? They call it a church. We called it a discotheque. We called it a nightclub. We called it bar hopping. Now they call it checking out another church. Listen to me. You don't find God in a church. You find God in the truth. And if you will continue thou in the doctrine, you will both save yourself and them that hear you. Now, distinctly, as God began to deal with me about this portion of Scripture, as Brother Hart was reading it, it was about individuals coming home to the truth. You see, the preceding scriptures in that chapter were about a one lost sheep, one lost coin, one lost son. Do you know the extent that God would go to in your life? That song you were singing earlier, The Goodness of God Running After. Can we sing that again for just a minute? I feel like the Spirit of God is wanting to bring somebody home spiritually to the Father's house where He dwells in
0: the truth. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just altar, listen
2: to me. This altar is still open. <laughs>
3: Till I lay my head, I will see.
0: somebody right now if you feel like you have had a weight on you and I'm not talking about just a little circumstance here or there it, a weight on you that you've been carrying it and you don't even know how it got there I'm gonna ask you if you would come stand in the front I believe the Lord wants to help us today. I'm just telling you what I feel in the Spirit. I believe the Lord would help us today. He didn't design us to carry any more than what He would put on us. And He said His yoke is easy and His burden is light. I felt it. I felt a spiritual heaviness on some people. And I believe the Lord does not want it there. He didn't put it there. Amen. As we pray, I'm just going to ask you to seek the Lord as it's been said here today. Seek the Lord and let Him do the work. Amen. Let's continue to pray. Let's continue to sing. Let the Lord do His work.
3: So, so good with every breath that I am for oh, I will see of the good.
2: Chapter 16 verse 17 Mark 16 and 17 shall follow them that believe believers believers in my name they shall cast out devils they shall speak with new tongues next verse they shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover this is the authority of god that operates through every believer baptized believer in the name of jesus we have been given his authority over all manner of sickness and disease against the spirit world there is authority and power operating through you young people Now, now, listen, we can, become, we can become weak and vulnerable in our flesh and depending on our lifestyle, subject to spiritual activity. Yes. Now, the reason why I stop this here now is because there's other people in the room That God is wanting to fill with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So what happens? Our attention gets drawn. You you understand? I'm not giving any attention. Alright? We are in charge. The the, The spirits are subject to us. The believers. I was in a meeting one night in a fellowship meeting years ago in Olympia where there was a man that began to act out and all of the attention of all of the ministry was to this man later to understand that there was a woman sitting just a few rows back who had been contemplating suicide. There was nobody praying with her. Now, when they when they went downstairs for fellowship later on, they were all swelled up about how they had taken care of this situation, cast this spirit out of this man. The man came downstairs and sat right across from me at the table and sat there and laughed. Because he had drawn their fire. The enemy succeeded in his plan trying to draw their fire. Rejoice not that the devils are subject to you but that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The higher priority is I want to fill souls with the Holy Ghost. I want to bring believers into the kingdom of God. Now, here, Brother Escobar and you all. Why don't you take this nice young lady and take her into the back room, pray with her back there into that back room for a little bit. I, I want us to pray for some individuals here, okay? Well, move them out, yeah. Bring the kids on out, bring them upstairs, or have the kids lay hands. How many here? Have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Spoke with other tongues. Would you come stand in the front. Right, right here. I want you to stand right up here. If you already have the Holy